Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Before launching this next season of Upbringing, we'd like to share a handful of favorite podcast episodes we've been interviewed on recently. For the next few weeks, tune in as we connect with inspiring parenting communities about our radical mission to practice powers beyond control when it comes to daily discipline. If you're new to Upbringing, these interviews could help you get to know us better. And if you already are part of the community, the following episodes can help validate the amazing work you're doing. Yeah, and it hasn't been just a joy to explore these topics as much as a necessity. Uh, As privileged white women, we see it as our responsibility to call in others to rise up and dismantle the conventional discipline practices within the home that unwittingly perpetuate paradigms of oppression outside of it. We hope that these conversations can inspire you to stay kind and curious with yourself, as well as to begin some brave conversations within your own communities around these topics. Though many of us may feel really powerless about the world right now, we have an incredible opportunity to raise a different generation simply by the way we treat our kids' bodies, feelings, and voices. We are all in this together and we're all growing up together. So thank you for being here. The Fresh Start Family Show is hosted by husband and wife team, Terry and Wendy Snyder, parenting educators and coaches. A positive parenting community, Fresh Start Family tackles a range of topics that bring reality, hope, and a path to more peace in the home and world. We love chatting with Wendy about all things sibling conflict. We flipped a few limiting beliefs that we hold about sibling challenges and the concept of mistakes in general, and discussed how choosing to approach conflict, our role and our goal with fresh eyes, can help kids learn and grow adaptively. We also unpack and walk through some specific ways we can avoid creating cycles of victim and aggressor as we slowly but surely build kids' awareness of themselves and one another through a challenge. Fun stuff. We hope you enjoy our conversation on Fresh Start Family as much as we did. Head on over to our show notes to get more details on our conversation with Wendy. Here we go. Well, hey there, families. Who is ready to talk about sibling conflict and drama? (laughs) I see so many of your hands going up. Yes, this is such a major source of challenge for many of us who are raising young human souls. So you're not alone. And today's episode is here to help. I had the honor of interviewing Hannah Oliveria and Kelty Green from Upbringing, and they are talking to us today about supporting siblings, especially in the area of conflict and how we can support sibling conflict with integrity and connection. So I know you guys are really going to love hearing from them. They are just the raddest twin sisters that live up on the most beautiful farm up in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm going to make sure I link an article that shows their beautiful home because it's so inspirational. So not only are they amazing positive parenting educators, but they also have a, you know, past rooted in design and photography and art. And it's just, they're just really, really cool and fascinating. And I loved getting to know them through this episode. So anytime I can find experts who want to talk about sibling conflict, I get really excited because like I said, it is really high on many parents' list of the biggest challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis. So when Hannah and Kelty proposed us talking about this subject, I was like, heck yes. So I know you're going to love what they have to say. They bring a lot of great points and sources of encouragement. They also have a sibling guide that is 
beautiful families, and they're offering a 20% discount to our listeners if you use the code FRESH. So I'm going to make sure I link that information in our show notes page, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 62. And this guide that they were nice enough to give me a complimentary copy of is not only super extensive in the information that they're teaching within it, but it's also beautiful, of course, because it was designed by them. But it has, you know, assets inside of it that you could print out and put into a frame (laughs) in your bedroom or in your bathroom to remind you of some of the great sources of wisdom that they teach. And I think it's just a really cool way to stay up on practicing what they teach us in this episode. I think it's a great supplement to what I love to support families with, which is around strong-willed kids. So I think when it comes to sibling conflict in our homes, it's often you know, those of us who have strong-willed or spirited kids, it can be really easy to fall into a cycle of blaming the strong-willed sibling a lot because if we're not careful, it can sure seem like they're always the ones who are causing the fights or, you know, being difficult or being stubborn or acting with disrespect. And over time, I just know that can be really toxic for families. And it does, it's not effective to help us get our siblings to higher ground. So I'm really passionate about helping families who feel like they are raising strong-willed kids or spirited kids, whatever you want to call them. I like to call them cactus kids too, because they're incredible blessings to the world, and they can be really tough to raise. So I have a free guide you can grab over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash strong willed kids, and that will give you lots of information about how you can raise strong willed kids with integrity. And like I said, I think it would be a really beautiful compliment to Hannah and Kelty's sibling guide that you can grab for 20% off with the code fresh. So I will make sure you have all those links in the show notes page. Without further ado, families, enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring so deeply about your families. If you love our show, please take five minutes to pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. We are so grateful for every single review that you leave. Reviews in the iTunes world helps us get seen, and the more we are seen equals the more chances of we have of helping more and more families from all over the world who are desperately seeking hope and encouragement and support when it comes to raising their kiddos. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show! Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be sitting here with Hannah and Kelty from Upbringing. Hey, girls, welcome. Hey, Hey, great to be here. Yes, so good to have you guys on the show. Listeners, you are in for a treat because Hannah and Kelty are really just have a movement over at Upbringing where they are such an incredible resource for parents. And they're going to talk to us today about a subject that I know is on so many of your guys' trigger list. (laughs) And it's siblings. They're going to talk to us about supporting sibling conflict with integrity and connection. And I know as I was preparing for this interview today, ladies, I was like, yes, because, you know, I've been teaching positive parenting for a long time and I always just love these conversations and for myself to be in learning because it is my kind of biggest Achilles heel as a mother, the fighting between the kids and the conflict. I got a very strong willed little girl and then a more easygoing little boy, but they both still have a strong voice, which we love, of course. And there's some bickering and there's some conflict that happens. So I know you guys are going to bring so much good stuff to the table. But before we get started, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Hannah and Kelty. Hannah and Kelty are twins, mothers, and co-hosts of the parenting podcast, Upbringing. They are certified coaches in simplicity parenting, positive discipline, and trained in foundations of the respectful parenting approach. Hannah and Kelty empower parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change, elevating their discipline one conversation at a time. They are currently co-parenting in captivity. <laughs> I love this. 
this. You have to tell me more. On a farm outside Portland, Oregon that they share with their partners and kids ages three, four, five, and six. That's so cool. So let me pass the mic to you girls. Tell me, tell me more about your story and how you got here and, and this incredible farm that you live on and what you're up to and why you're so passionate about this work. Thank you. We're just so happy to be here. We're such fans of the podcast and all you guys offer and talk about and just like bringing this like parenting idea into just seeing on your site, the beautiful beach stuff, the surf stuff, mm-hmm. just bringing nature into parenting in that way is just really inspiring. We're just big mm-hmm. fans of, of you both. So thanks for having us. I don't know how far we want to go back to introduce ourselves. I feel like you you did a, a beautiful introduction, but but yeah, we're twins. We're, we're moms. We live on a farm in separate houses up here in Portland, Oregon. We're raising our kids, doing the full-time parenting, kind of partial homeschooling, partial unschooling situation right now. And we've been doing upbringing for about a year and a half, but it's been brewing a lot longer than that. You know how those things go. I don't think we ever would have thought that we would get into parenting. We barely even knew if we necessarily wanted to be parents, but we loved that happening. And then as we kind of became young mothers, we realized, wow, like, we are growing up just as much as our kids are in this whole family building situation Mm -hmm. and that we have these opportunities, especially in these hard moments to challenge ourselves, to reignite some spark within us that maybe wasn't given an opportunity when we were kids, that we get to create a new family. We get to write our own script with our kids, Mm -hmm. that we get to, you know, break some inherited legacies that don't really serve us. And we can do it a different way and raise a different generation. And so that our big focus at upbringing is on discipline and discipline is around relationships. So our relationship with our kids, our kids relationship with one another, all those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, can this end? That's what we love to talk (laughs) about. So what else did you want to add anything? I was going to say that's our jam. You know, we were, we were new moms. We were photographers and designers and just got into reading more and more about parenting and respectful discipline and positive discipline and all these things. And it just, everything started coalescing the more we spent time with, with other families. And we found ourselves just being like, what's the worst right now? Tell us everything. What's <laughs> yeah. the worst, hardest thing we want to know. Mm-hmm. And then kind of our, our resist approach and our freedoms model kind of started evolving from there. The more we spoke and the more we, you know, we're challenged by the little people in our lives who give us so many opportunities to be thinking, how am I doing this? Why am I doing it this way? Do I want to be doing it this way? How is this feeling for everyone? Is this how everyone's going to learn the best and stay connected through all the, all these hard things? And I think the more we kept asking ourselves why, and then the more we started thinking about how, the more we kind of embarked on this journey of growing up alongside our kids. And it's been quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so cool. Well, it makes so much sense now that I learned that you're photographers and designers because your Instagram and your, your site and your shop is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, hey. I want hey. you to like come over and design my home. <laughs> no <laughs> way. What kind of design were you guys doing before? We did branding for small businesses. So ah. local businesses and artists, artists, photographers, makers, stuff like that. So we would do kind of like top to bottom, like logo and photography and Mm -hmm. design the website and do all the print materials and Mm -hmm. yeah, make friends with them. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a holistic design. That's so cool. Well, uh, my husband, so Terry is the co-host of our show. He's not with us today, obviously, but he's a creative director by trade. So very cool. Graphic artist, uh, creative director. So cool. Well, I love that. And so who's got who, what ages? So it's three, four, five, and six. Is that so accurate? Or is actually as of this last month, we each have a four and six year old. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Hannah's are just like six months older than mine. Yeah. Our girls were born first and then our boys were born two years later. Oh, and did and you it just plan kind of ended up that way. No, not, are you not really. You can't plan. I don't know. We couldn't plan it. It just no. happened. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. Oh my goodness. I love it. All right, ladies. Well, awesome. Okay. So let's talk sibling conflict. So like I said, I mentioned mine a little bit that they, mine have always been ones that have just seemed to have more conflict than others, obviously from working with so many parents and then just, you know, seeing different family dynamics. You know, I see that some family, all, I think all families have sibling conflict for sure. And then I see some families out there where I'm like, oh my gosh, look at those, those kids are getting along. They're hugging. They're <laughs> like, they're, <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And my, my two have just always been like very, 
you know, they've just bickered and argued from a very, very young age. So I've had to really be in learning for their whole life on how to approach that and thank God for positive parenting and and the stuff we, you know, we've all been blessed with because I can't imagine life without it, right? So it took me many, many moons to get better at actually like, you know, walking the walk of what I actually teach. I remember there was a year where I was hired like five times to speak for this group called MOPS, Mothers of Preschools. I don't know if you have those up in Portland, but it was all around sibling rivalry and conflict. And I was just like, ugh, I do not want to talk about this because it was like the worst area of application. Too close to home. Yes. I would speak on stage, you know, and then I'd come home and I'd be like, just stop it. But now years, (laughs) years later, I'm like, oh, cool. I really understand how to apply the concepts. And even though it's not always easy, you know, it makes more sense after a few years. So you guys are going to bring wisdom to the table today around three kind of different areas that we've laid out in our outline so listeners can have some clear takeaways. So talk to us about this point number one, which is flipping beliefs we have about conflict, our role and our family. Right. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think that first you nailed it on the head, Wendy, that like this is such a practice and a process Mm -hmm. and that you really had, even though you could cognitively as a positive parenting coach be like, this is what's ideal to do with my kids when they struggle together. Emotionally, you were fighting against a lot of beliefs, you know, that you had through uh, conscious beliefs and unconscious beliefs from conventional wisdom in our culture, from your own upbringing, all of these, you know, triggers that you were bringing in that were really in some ways and the same for us and so many folks we work with were really undermining your ability to show up and grow up with your kids when they, when they struggled with one another. And so one of the beliefs that Kelty and I talk about that is so fundamental in our our work. And I think one of the biggest things that has helped liberate us as parents and in supporting other parents is the belief that our kids' conflict isn't unnecessary, terrible, means they're wrong or we're wrong. I mean, it is bothersome. I will admit that still. <laughs> I'm not le- not letting that one go. But that in, it's it, we all have grown up to believe that. But kids' conflict is actually inherently valuable. Yes. And when we can actually believe, oh my gosh, my kids struggle a little more than maybe other kids struggle or that I see other people struggle, that's not actually a bad thing. It's not a curse. It's actually a gift. And it's a lot to get our minds around. And you have to we have to practice our way through it to actually see it to believe it in some ways. Mm-hmm. But but I think that is kind of one of the, the foundational elements of this as a parent is realizing, oh my gosh, all of these challenges are incredible opportunities. Because when conflict happens, that's an opportunity for our kids and us to understand our underlying needs, to understand our feelings, to gain an awareness of ourselves, and then to perspective take and hopefully get an awareness of this other person that we're with. And when we shut down and have these beliefs about our kids' conflict, that can change what our goals are, that can change what our roles are, Mm -hmm. and can undermine a lot of the learning and growth that can happen if we thought the exact opposite. So that's one of our big belief flips. Yeah. I love that because it really does come down to the beliefs, right? Like we can talk strategies and, you know, things you can do with your kids all day long. But what I find with parents is the hardest thing to do and the thing that's essential is the mindset shift around it. And this is an example of if you believe that your kids are being bad or naughty when they have conflict, then it doesn't matter what type of strategy you learn. It's just, you're always going to be buried in this like irritation and frustration and not be able to creatively problem solve. Would you agree? Yes. And it's so funny when people are like, it's all about your mindset. I want to just be like, don't tell me that. It's not all in my control. This is a terrible situation that I'm in, you know, but it really, it is. It's, it's so liberating to, to be looking at things differently, you know, and a lot of the the speaking that we've done mostly at our, through our kids Montessori school live, a lot of the parents would come to us and say, I just want harmony. I just yeah. want harmony in my home. That's, that's all. That's why I'm here. Can you tell me how to get that? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the second belief that we always need to flip and practice ourselves on the daily as well is that our goal isn't harmony with our siblings or with even just one child. Our goal is connection, mm-hmm. right? And if we can think mm-hmm. about it that way, then we're, we're all growing. We're all learning. We're going to stay connected through that. You know, it's connected to our expectations. Mm-hmm. If we have this expectation that harmony must happen, we're going to be disappointed. That's an unrealistic expectation for growing brains and growing skills and even our growing skills, mm-hmm. right? But if we can flip that and say, 
let's just put harmony off the table for a little bit and say, if our goal, ultimate goal is connection, then that's going to give us the permission and the power to lean in in those challenging moments and get in there and be brave and put in some effort, right? To be, to be taking steps together to process, to get through to the other side. Mm-hmm. Yes. And isn't it like, you know, as far as connection goes, cause I'm thinking about the difference between harmony and connection, right? And harmony to me is like, everything's always peaceful and kumbaya and the water's flowing and there's no like mm-hmm. fire drills, <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, and the connection I think of like is in our family, at least what I've, you know, learned over the last decade that we've been practicing this work, I guess it's been, yeah, it's been a decade is that the connection often comes after the messiness and like the ability and the freedom to be messy and imperfect and still have unconditional love present and someone who supports you through that. That's what I feel like is so connecting. And then you don't have to have perfection. Like you can be messy, but as long as it always comes back to connection and like, how are we going to make amends? How are we going to repair this relationship? How are we going to you know, empower ourselves to make different choices tomorrow. What did we learn from this mistake when you slapped your brother <laughs> or totally. pushed him into the rose bush? I have a lot mm-hmm. of stories, but yeah, I love that. That distinction is it's not about harmony. It's about connection. Yeah. And I think that even in, so we have this expectation for harmony, but then in the moment, if we're not thinking correction or connections, actually a goal, our goal, we're thinking let's correct instead. And I think yeah. we have this ideal too, that connection means when we're all cuddly and snuggly, when all the avenues are open and we're, we're wide open and, and getting in there and doing the repairing and all the things. And I think that if we think about our goal as connection, that means if, if we can be leaning in with eye contact, trying to use those nonviolent communication skills, trying to walk our kids through what's going on, that is connecting to them. And that is demonstrating and modeling how they can be connecting to each other, right? So it's not even just like in those after moments where we're all feeling quote unquote connected, but really connection as an effort, as, you know, as openness, as modeling, as problem solving, as empathizing, as kind of doing all of the steps of what we call a resist approach. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It makes me think of too, the the first point you said about as far as like flipping beliefs that conflict isn't bad, but it's actually useful to be able to teach our kids peaceful conflict resolution. It reminds me of a story my mentor told. She raised three boys who are now all grown men and have kids. She's a grandma now, but she said they were at a wedding a few years ago. And I think it was like their cousin or something getting married. And it was like, I think that night and some of the cousins obviously probably were drinking and they got into like an argument and these full grown men, boys, cousins got into an argument so much that they ended up like physical with each other and like started punching each other. And one of my mentor, Pam's son, she split it up. They split it up. And the next morning they were talking at breakfast and they were like, whoa, that was crazy. Full like anchor man. Like, wow, that got out of control fast. <laughs> and Pam said to the boys, she's like, gosh, well, you guys don't fight like that. I mean, these boys are full grown, you know, they're, they're men now. What the heck? And the boys said, well, yeah, we fought when we were young mom. And that's the reason why we think we don't fight like that now, because you taught us how to fight. And I love that story because it's so true, right? Like these adult boys now, Pam's sons are like just the best friends. They can talk to each other about everything. They know how to work out their differences. They might still have arguments or disagreements, but they were, they were taught when they were young that how to do it, right? How to actually have an argument and resolve things peacefully, which when they were young was not always the case, but it definitely definitely paid off. That's that's such a great example. Mm -hmm. I think that oftentimes our fear brain, when we see our kids hitting one another, we think, oh my gosh, they're going to become, you know, men or, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are beating each other up as adults. But I think we have to remember that people who beat each other up as adults, maybe weren't given the skills as kids. They're actually still little kids inside who weren't given all of these skills. So we don't need to be controlling our kids and punishing them to learn. We just need to be working on the skills with them. That's all. And like with Pam and her sons, like they've normalized conflict Mm -hmm. to the point that it's, Mm -hmm. they know that any valuable relationship isn't without it. You know, if you think about, Mm -hmm. I mean, our relationship with our partners versus our neighbors, Mm -hmm. we have a probably very harmonious relationship with our neighbor. We wave, but are we close? Are we really connected? No, because we haven't moved through enough and had those conflicts, had those conversations, had that, those growth opportunities Mm -hmm. like we have with our partner. That's just part and parcel of 
understanding yourself and another person is having different needs at different times. It's so natural. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I love how you guys, that phrase you use all the time, show up and grow up because it's so what we're called to do as parents, right? Like so many of us were not taught this when we were little Mm -hmm. and now it's time that we're like, so that's, I love what you like, what you guys teach about that is now it's time for us to grow alongside of our children because they're learning this, but we're actually learning it at the same time by teaching them. Mm -hmm. So Right. And then that allows us to, you know, you know, we've changed the belief of what conflict is. We've changed the belief of what our goal is. And now we've changed the belief of what our role is, which we don't have to be controlling their dynamic all the time. As a child, we can kind of step into our power as a parent and try to sensitively support them instead. Mm -hmm. And like you said, build all those skills that we weren't necessarily given in conflict resolution, mediation, you know, all of those, those roles. I think normally you love talking about the roles we have, Kelsey, that are instinctual versus, I think, especially with with siblings, but still with even one kid, we want to, we're like the referee, we're the judge and jury, we're the hall monitor, you know, we're the the oldest running in, right? Yeah. It's so easy to just live in that binary world, right and wrong, victim and aggressor, good and bad. And I think that if we're able to just kind of step past that and say, I just want to be sensitive support staff. I want to be that neutral, loving, omniscient presence who's curious, who's sensitive, who's just going to support, you know, that's our goal. That's where the real magic can happen. I love it. And I, I, maybe you guys are going to cover this in a little bit. Our next point is discuss, discussing the traps we fall into parents. But one of the things I love to do on this show is to like get real practical too. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I feel like so far we're like, we're real like, Oh yeah. Peace and joy, peace and joy support. And then (laughs) I know parents are like, but what about when literally the kids are just smacking each other? It's always one that just walks by and trips the the younger one or never shares or so like when it comes to like physical like aggression as far as like keeping this this belief system of like this is healthy this is okay they're learning what's your tip on that ladies yeah oh my gosh I wish there was like a one quick fix tip trick uh, yeah you know I think that that's what we talk about this being a practice and we always caveat that with a fail forward practice of of moving through these challenges with our kids that it's it's a process it's a conversation we like to say we it's all about having a conversation and i think one of the biggest things too with these beliefs is that it's it's all three of them are guiding us to focus on needs instead of behaviors the, and I, yeah. the new the, the new this beliefs. new approach yeah. these new beliefs i'm sorry yeah these new beliefs we're trying to like to take on is saying, gosh, we've all been programmed to focus on who did what, what's right, what's wrong. You pushed her, you took that. And we have to say, okay, let's focus our energy. The number one thing we can do is focus on the needs. If we can focus on the needs with our kids, that is the root cause of their behavior. Behavior is just a symptom, right? And when we just focus on symptoms, we're not really getting, we're staying in kind of superficial land. Mm -hmm. So when, let's say our child pushes over their other sibling, Obviously, we always want to keep everybody safe. So keeping yeah. everybody in, right? So physically, we'll get in there yeah. and say, oh, it looks like you're you're wanting to push. I'm going to help keep your brother safe. So you pick up the baby or I'm going to stop your hands from pushing or I'm going to make a little space between you. Mm-hmm. And then we go straight to the need instead of we don't push or why would you hurt him? He's crying now. We, we step away from the behavior and go to the need. What are you needing right now? What's going on? How you doing? Right. It's, it's just it's, it's yeah. so backward to our traditional instinctive approach, which is to, to chastise or to, Mm -hmm. to say, why, how often, how many times a day or even to just very calmly use what we call the control approach. Like Mm -hmm. you just pushed your sister. So you need to go to your room. I'm not being mean about it, but I'm Mm -hmm. still telling them to go into isolation. And unfortunately the control approach, we've done the acronym of, I love your acronyms (laughs) on my terms. Now threats, rewards, overpower and lectures. Those are like it's so good. Uh, yeah. several examples of what control is that we've all, it comes so instinctually to us. Yeah. You know, we're trying to remind ourselves none of those ways our kids actually learn what their deeper need was. And the need is like this, this mysterious secret that if our kids can start understanding their needs and work their way backwards, then they can ultimately control their impulses. You know, when we punish them for having done something to meet their needs based on their developmental abilities, they're not actually learning about what the need is and getting to that root cause to inhibit that impulse in the future, if that makes sense. 
So that's why we just we stick to the needs. And later, you know, normally we have to give our kids the benefit of the doubt. They know what they did wasn't right. They know what's right and wrong. They're clearly not feeling good when they misbehave. So instead of focusing on the stuff that they can't control and weren't feeling good about, let's focus on the honorable human root cause need, which we can all agree is the most important thing to talk about and the that gives the potential of them to make better choices in the future. Mm-hmm. Save the so behavior good. for later, you know? Yeah. And I would even add to like that control. I love that acronym. I, again, I love all you guys' acronyms. You do such a great job of like making easy takeaways for parents. But even part of that too is like, you know, it's often it's babying the victim too. That's so the who we see as the victim, which is so, so hard, right? Because then we end up not empowering usually the younger one or whoever we feel like is, you know, the other one is the aggressor of. And that's, that's not good either, right? Are, are the ones being pushed or shoved or not talked to in a respectful way? They need to learn, right? How to A, stand up for themselves and B, see the light in somebody else, even when that other person is making a mistake. I actually just saw this beautiful, one of my members shared today a video that literally brought me to tears. Her little two and a half year old girls had our, what we call a win-win sheet. And she had it in her hand and she was on the ground playing and with like her rhino, her pretend rhino and going through the like, I feel sad. I want, how are we going to make this work basically? And her mom came up and she was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm just doing, a, I'm just playing with rhino. And she was like, how are you playing with rhino? And she was like, I'm just doing a win-win. We're doing a win-win. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. And she goes, oh, what happened? She goes, well, Rhino was like stomping on my feet. And she had this ba- little teeny baby voice. Oh and she gosh. goes, Rhino was stomping on my feet. And so basically I'm telling him it's not okay. And we're working it out. And it's, I was like, my jaw dropped. And I'm like, that goes to show you how young these kids can start to learn that like when we don't get in the way, right? Like when we like, which is easier said than done, but like how to stand tall with kindness and respect for others and assume the integrity. Maybe Rhino was just having a hard day. Maybe Rhino just <laughs> lost his job or I don't know. And, and then work it out with respect and dignity. So that was oh, really I love cool. that. Absolutely. Know, so Wendy. Cool. It's just, it's, it's like, that, it was such a huge realization for us when we realized our kids learn more than just the lesson we want. Like we don't hit or it's wrong to break things that I love or whatever the thing is. They, they learn by the way we teach. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what this parent it was seeing. Oh my gosh. My, my daughter was learning, had learned all of these amazing nonviolent communication skills and negotiation and how to put up a boundary and how to think about what her needs were and how to advocate for those needs because I was there scaffolding, supporting, her through situations just like that and modeling those skills. Right. I think when we, when we use the control approach, that's what we're teaching our kids to do. When we say, give this to her, you do that or go to your room. We're teaching our kids that when they have a conflict, someone wins and someone loses. Someone's punished and someone's babied, you know, someone feels shame or feels blame, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, that's what they end up learning. And that's the tool they then use on themselves and other people. And when we can use what we call our resist approach and you, or your Mm win-win, right? Our resist approach is these are, these are powers beyond control, respect, empathize, sync up, innovate. Can you help me? Summarize. Summarize. And trust. And trust. Thank you. So good, Um, ladies. Those those are all these other skills where it's like, oh my gosh, we never barely learned those Mm -hmm. skills in conflict resolution. We're practicing them in this conversation with our kids. Mm -hmm. And then they're learning those exact things. This little girl was work in the resist approach or your win-win role-playing with her rhino. It's just so so beautiful. And we've been hearing our our kids do it with each other too, Mm -hmm. where they're starting to put us out of a job. And really only if it's like serious dysregulation with like three quarters of the kids, do we even need to intervene? We're always kind of waiting in the wings. We're listening. We need to step in and and help with a little bit of sports casting or emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. We're there, but often they're the ones doing that. Well, what did you need? And yeah. Instead of just saying, use your words or get right. away from me or whatever, or you're mean, you're or, mean. or mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. or coming mom, mom, I need you mom, mom, because as a parent, we, we often get pushed to that point of feeling like we have to settle these fights all the time and they're tattletales and, you know, victims and all of these things. But it's, it, it's felt so liberating to sidestep that whole thing and go into any conflict with this neutral idea that 
it's just a matter of getting two people's needs met sometimes more than two people and that that's okay. And we're normalizing this. We're trying to create a positive association with conflict so that our kids aren't scared to, to move through conflict in the future when they're feeling inner resistance or inner turmoil or frustration in another person or a need that they don't know how to express. They're going to look inward and think about it and get curious about it and try to name it and then try to openly communicate it to another person. And they'll have that empathy for someone else who might be going through something too, which they can't always see or understand unless they get in there and connect about it. Oh, so good. I love that term. Another awesome term upbringing, scaffolding and supporting. It's so good because it's like you're building a little bit at a time, which is the way it really works in real life, right? Like tomorrow, if you learn this new strategy, whether it's resist or win-win and like tomorrow you have the courage to try and you get to like the E, R and E, and that's it. Like you did it. You got to R and E, right? Like that's to me, it's like scaffolding, right? And then tomorrow, like and next week you can try the S or whatever, but don't kill yourself if you can't do it all at once. Sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, I skipped straight to innovate, but it really worked well for everyone. And then I circled back later and did respect and empathize Mm -hmm. because I kind of missed that. Or I got from respect to empathize. And then I just lost and screamed at them. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But I love that you're, Wendy, you're saying that this is a scaffolding process for us as the parents when we have to keep remembering too, which is just, maybe that's the more obvious elephant in the room that this has to be a scaffolding process for our kids, especially, you know, I mean, I think oftentimes we're like, well, right. How do kids learn? I think we're like, well, they, we didn't force them to know English, how to speak perfect English right away when they were babies. No, we spoke to them and that's how they learned to speak. Same with reading. Same with reading, for example, or feeding themselves. It was a long process of division of responsibility where we did a lot and then we did less and less and less and less and less and then they started taking over. And I think when it comes to, those are all the visible things, but when I think it comes to invisible things like emotions, like relationships, like solving a struggle between siblings, We just have this idea in our minds that they should just know how to do it. And we, our expectation should be the reality that they should just be able to moderate their conflicts as well as we do with our partner. But at least for me speaking, Mm -hmm. I don't moderate my conflicts very well with my partner sometimes. So why would we expect our kids to do as good of a job or even better with their sibling than we do as adults? It's like a fraction of the brain and impulse control. You know, let's get real. Yes. Hey there, families. This episode is brought to you by the Fresh Start Family free online parenting workshop, What to Do When Your Kids Say, No, I Won't, and You Can't Make Me. Ugh, the classic power struggles trap that sends so many of us into reactive parenting mode that does not feel good at the end of the day when we lay our head on our pillow. You can save your seat now by heading to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class. The best part is families, this is a completely free workshop where I'm going to teach you five positive parenting tips to help gain cooperation and dissolve power struggles with integrity and connection. I'll cover how to gently guide your kids towards action, even when they don't want to move and do what's asked of them, ways to see kids who push back a lot as incredible blessings and future leaders. I promise you, they really are a blessing, not a curse. And also the importance of paradigm shifting with thoughts and beliefs about power-seeking misbehavior, as well as how to implement self-regulation and self-calming to ignite creativity and model self-control for your kids. Again, you can save your seat over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash power struggles class. Seats do fill up, you guys. So don't wait another second. Go grab your seat and I'll see you at class soon. And it's so cool what a what an opportunity it is as we learn this kind of self-regulation and self-control to kind of hold back a little bit more to not get so over, you know, bearing and over controlling, which really is, again, for me is so hard in the sibling. I think we all, like we all know, but like we get triggered by our own stuff. Right. I don't know if you, do you guys have other siblings? No, just no. Well, then you guys, twins, I'm sure have their own set, but I had an older brother. And so, and he was, (laughs) he was intense. Like he was, he was intense a lot. So every time my little girl kind of picks on, so to speak, her little brother, it almost like triggers in me the childhood again of like, so that could be a whole nother episode, right? Yeah. I love another term you guys said, fall forward. Like you're going to fall 
kids are going to fall. You're going to fall. It's like the concept of the baby when the baby starts to walk, right? We, you know, we're like, come here, baby. And then we don't say when the baby trips and falls, like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, you should know Mm -hmm. better by now. We've been teaching you this for weeks. Like, (laughs) no, of course you don't. You say, get up. It's okay. You're fine. Come on, try again. And if we could just have that approach with the siblings and at the same time, we know it's really, really hard, but What I think I was going to say was that it's so beautiful when we do this with them and we have an intention to do what we're talking about because then you get the benefit of developing the self-control and the self-regulation, right? Like when somebody challenges you to develop more self-control and self-regulation, that becomes a gift, right? Have you guys ever read the book, The Little Soul and the Sun? No. Oh my gosh, you would love it. I'm going to write that down. But it's basically about like in order to develop patience and compassion and, and grace, like those things you aren't able to develop if somebody isn't. If you're not tested. If you're not tested. So like these right. these little people or whoever it is in the book, you know, that makes mistakes or operates imperfectly, so to speak. They're like little angels that give you the opportunity to develop this practice. And it's a really, really moving book. So you have to check it out. I thought you were going to bring up Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, because it really resonated the same way for us, where he talks about all of these prized characteristics and values, grit, patience, optimism, all of these things are developed from struggle and through challenge. They don't just exist on their own. You're not a patient person just naturally. Maybe some people are, and we should talk about temperament a little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Children, but yeah, they're all opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I even struggle with the word mistake. I I, I mean, Kelty and I are perfect. We're pretty radical in that way in which like everything is morally neutral that our kids do. And our coaching clients are always like, "Uh, uh, um, say what? But what about when this, but what about when they say this, but what about when they hurt their sibling like this? That can't be more morally neutral. That is bad. That is not okay. Right. right? Mm-hmm. It's so big. It's really hard to change our brains into thinking, mm-hmm. wow, when someone gets hit, when something gets broken, when someone gets yelled at, the impact is going to be felt. And that's the biggest consequence that needs to happen. But all of the learning that happened from that mm-hmm. is, is worth it ultimately, as long as everyone's generally safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's the quote that you love, Hannah? I think Alfie Cohn says, children learn to make good choices by making choices. And it's yes. the same, the same principle as those books. You have to be making choices to learn which ones kind of end up with a better impact or which ones meet your needs or which ones harm other people's needs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a, a gray in the middle, messy negotiation. Not the brave work we've got. Yeah. Especially those kinesthetic doer kids, right? Like I feel like they learn by doing even more like the kids who just can't sit still and they, everything is like by touching, kicking, hitting, doing right. Like I'm one of those people, like, you know, we were getting ready for this podcast and it was like, I can never figure out the tech because Terry's not with us. And I told you girls, uh-huh. I have to do it in order to learn. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you do it and you make a mistake and, and then the next time you're, you're going to learn, <laughs> you're like, am I a mistake? Right. Excuse me. Well, sometimes you're going to do it and you're going to have a mute, uh, what'd you go, girls call it again? A you'll neutral, have made a particular, you'll have a neutral choice with a, a ne- certain impact, a neutral choice right. with a certain impact. I love it. Okay. So we've talked, I think a little bit about some of the traps, but our point number two is describe discuss the traps we fall into as parents. Tell us more about this. I think I would guess that like babying the, the, who we think is the victim would be a trap or assuming the the negative, but tell us more. Yeah. I think one trap is just trying to get everything to stop immediately is is a big trap Mm -hmm. for us. And I mean, we're highly sensitive folks. So oftentimes we're touched out, we're, we're yelled out, we're messed out Mm -hmm. and we just are like, please, like it's so loud. It's so, you know, when kids are, are kind of like needling and bickering at each other or when they're screaming mm-hmm. or like you said, with the, the higher movement oriented kids, they're running and chasing each other. I think oftentimes like it's so hard to think, oh my gosh, they're learning about each other right now. They're growing <laughs> together as individuals and This people. is an important experiment that's happening that's killing <laughs> right. them. Right. We just, we literally just want it to, we uh, shut that down. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's one thing we often do. And then like we mentioned earlier, you know, we do the the, the blame game where mm-hmm. based on behaviors and based on our, our kind of moral definitions of certain behaviors, then one person is in the right and one person's in the wrong. And I think that the, the undermining aspect of that is that it can give our kids this script about conflict. It can say, whenever there's a conflict, one of you guys was the victim, one of you was the aggressor, 
you know, one of you needs to do this and one of you needs to do or that. And I care, out. I care more for one of you than the other right now. Mm-hmm. Also, sure. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, we're creating these narratives of rupture and repair that aren't necessarily helping our kids learn about themselves and one another and how to move through a conflict in like a, just kind of a non-judgmental, neutral way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny when you talk about scripts, I always think about, I don't know if you're familiar with Woody Allen movies. But no, he, I never have watched him. Oh my gosh, you got to <laughs> see some of them. But it's just funny because all of like all of his movies sound the same. All of the actors end up kind of like taking on his voice. He writes it, he directs it, he acts in it. Everyone kind of sounds like Woody Woody Allen, and I think that we have this idea in our minds as parents. Everyone should kind of just sound like me and do what I do and say what I want to say and. And we think of it as this follow the lines that I've written for them. And I think that so much of our avoiding that trapping is to say this is not like a heavily written movie, you know, with with actors playing parts that I need them to play as this all powerful parent. You know, this is really like an improv routine. We're all on stage together. We're all doing the best we can. Right. Mm -hmm. We're all juggling and we need to be looking at what the other person is throwing at us and saying, yes, and. How am I going to make this better? How am I going to keep this ball in the air? How am I going to keep this dialogue going? How am I going to keep trying to make this better, more funny, more interesting, more connective mm-hmm. instead of tanking it the other way? But I think that that gives uh, it's so scary, though, to think of, oh, my gosh, giving our kids more power in their own relationship, letting go a little bit of the control that comes so naturally to us in these moments when they're, you know, verbally abusing each other, they won't mm-hmm. share with one another, they're hurting one another, they're screaming with one another. Mm-hmm. All of those moments, we, we feel so helpless. And that's why we have the urge to control. And mm-hmm. it, it's such a different mind, again, another mindset shift to say, wait a second, I'm, I might be in ultimately in charge of this family, I, I'm responsible, I have a lot of power and privilege as a parent, but I'm not in control of it. And this, this involves other humans who I don't want my kids always living by my script and always looking to someone else to tell them what to think, how to feel, what to say, how to be. We want to be all of our work, especially Mm -hmm. with discipline and and such an amazing opportunity in these sibling conflicts is saying, I want to help my kid. I want to focus on their inner voice, what they needed, what they think, what they want and help build those skills really sensitively so that they can go out to the world and write their own play and jump in on other people's plays and not mm-hmm. feel as though they're just this underpaid actor who's constantly looking to the writer and director to validate or appraise or punish them in some way. Mm-hmm. It's a big yeah. mind flip for sure. Absolutely. I mean, the the biggest trap that jumps out to me, I mean, they're all such trappy traps, but the shutting it down one is so hard, right? And what I've learned, I've been like, feel like on such a cool path lately to, to, to learn more about holding space and whether it's in my marriage or with my kids. And it can be so hard, right? To just like have to create this space for the messiness and not the fixing. But I'm finding more and more that that's where the actual resolution from that person comes out, right? So I'm thinking of like an example with my kids and with my husband where it's like, if I can just like trust that they can handle this, I can, of course, teach in a calm time when I'm talking about the kids, like teach in a calm time, empower your kids, model, of course, do all these things. And then when the time comes, like trust, if you can just trust in yourself that it, the world doesn't have to be fixed by you. Like you don't have to carry everything on your shoulders and trust that they are strong and capable and they can do this. Then I feel like so often they find their own way when we don't get in the way. But I think it, what we're like, one of these trap, this trap is like when we don't, when we fall into the trap, we end up making them believe they can't do it without us, especially the ones that have a tendency to be more like, the tattletaling, like I can't stick up for myself. The other one's always mean. Maybe their sister's like mm-hmm. a power kiddo or has a strong mm-hmm. need to feel powerful, right? They're like a little more vulnerable. Yeah, a little bit more vulnerable, but they start living out that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, I can't do this by myself. And so it's just this big cycle that happens that is so heartbreaking that if we can just like, I love, I love a visual of like seeing the trap. Like we just watched <laughs> Ghostbusters the other night and like visualizing the trap and being like, Oh, that's a trap. I don't need to fall into that. And I can just, I can take five breaths. If, even if I hold space for five breaths, sometimes the kids will just be able to say something or, you know, and of course I think the big thing with that one is you have to have a solid plan and support 
through somebody like, you know, upbringing or fresh start family to have you be able to teach not in the heightened time, right? Like they've got to have the tools. You can't just be like, guys, figure it out. (laughs) Well, and I think, I think that's something that you amazingly allude to is that our power is, is so much more than just in the moment. And that oftentimes we underestimate the power that we have, not just to over control our kids and undermine their, their learning and disempower them in a way, but also our power to be waiting, to be watching, our power to be circling back afterward and connecting and our power in the moment, which to us was so liberating to realize that all we really needed, our power was enough to even just be present and calm and loving that our kids feed off of that. You know, we, mm-hmm. we call it like approaching neutrally, mm-hmm. reflecting what we see. Those are a few steps in our sibling survival guide that we talk about and kind of expand on, mm-hmm. but how we don't have to be micromanaging and doing all mm-hmm. the, the, all the hats that we had as the, the, you know, emergency responder and the policeman mm-hmm. and the, you know, the etiquette police. Yeah. And I feel like those are some <laughs> like, of our mantras. Yeah. And even when we wake up in the morning, we'll do what you do. Like you were taking a few deep breaths. Mm-hmm. But even just thinking it's probably not going to be an emergency. Things are going to get a little crazy here today and there are going to be traps and that's okay. Right. Right. My number one job, I don't have to fix anything. I just have to keep everyone safe and help people calm down and talk about it later. Mm -hmm. Just things like that, mentally preparing ourselves for what's going to happen so that when it happens, inevitably, we're not going to feel resentful. We're not going to feel ambushed. We're not going to feel like eye roll moment every time because that doesn't feel good, right? So we give ourselves a pep talk to each other or in the mirror (laughs) often. Here's what today is probably going to look like and game on. I'm ready, right? When I'm not ready, sometimes we'll take a a personal timeout instead of sending our kids to timeout or feeling like we might want to yell at them before we want to say something like, this is all getting a little too crazy for me, or it seems like the noise level in here, or it seems like you're having trouble struggling, getting along, we might pop out ourselves. Take yeah. A couple deep breaths, like you said, right? Refocus, kind of put our kind of like support staff mental hat on and our little badge. I think of it like a crown, like a uh-huh. headdress. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mine's a trucker hat. Yeah. Oh, nice. I, I love it. You guys are so different in your crowns. Yeah. That's so good. That's so, so good. I love it. Okay. Well, those that avoiding those traps is so important and so, so much wonderful guidance you guys give us there. Okay. So talk to us about opportunities we have to sensitively support their relationship. When We've talked about this a lot already, but tell us your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I think that we, we created kind of a, t- a 10 step kind of way to work through the challenge that's based on our resist approach, but it's just kind mm-hmm. of expanded a little bit for sibling challenges. And I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's not a dogmatic kind of system, but when you think they're kind of all based in the traps that we technically have, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like, Oh, let's raise our awareness in how we can be sensitively supporting outside the moment within the moment. And then that can just help us find that fine line, finely tuned, how can I be involved in the situation type thing? And then we trial and error and fail forward our way through. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we have so many opportunities. But should mm-hmm. we run through an example of it? Kind we of. We could. Yes. Even just a typical sibling ex- example. And we can just kind of like talk mm-hmm. through what, what that could sound and look like. Okay, yes, okay. let's do that. Yeah. Why don't we do okay. one for, this will be a great way to end. So why don't we do one for the little ones that you mm-hmm. guys have? And then mine are 9 and 12. Mm-hmm. And so I'll give an example for mine too. Oh, great. Perfect. So I would say, how about it's like four o'clock and my daughter. Like that's all you have is, to say is it's four yeah. o'clock. <laughs> Witching hour. Wow. <laughs> and I hear a squawk from, uh, I'm in the kitchen getting dinner started and I hear a squawk in the living room mm-hmm. and like a kind of a crash. Like it sounds like a bunch of Legos are like, mm-hmm. you know, falling apart and some screaming and crying. And I think normally, and I think what goes into my mind is immediately like flush, you know, feel my body, get Mm -hmm. super tense and angry. Why is this happening? This is totally wrong. Why is obviously she's doing this to her younger brother. She should know better. Mm -hmm. I want to rush in there. I want to give her a consequence or some sort of from my control approach, little list of things to do. I want to go to my son and I have to hold him and then scene. You or know. make them apologize. Oh, sure. Go oh, even, you can farther go even farther than that. Yeah. I kind of forgot about doing that. Yeah. 
because right? I don't you do lose, them anymore. You forget about yeah. it, right? When you do the role plays, you end up just yeah. being, you're like, wait, I have to do it another way. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, I think that one of the first steps that Kelty and I do is setting our kids up for success. So at four o'clock, we have to know and be aware. And I forget so often myself that our kids are tired at the end of the day. How can we be mm-hmm. setting them up? Angry. This is when they tend to mm-hmm. have more conflicts. And it's not like we want to avoid conflicts with our kids, but how can we make it so that they can kind of ease their way through and maybe we're preventing conflict that's like higher stress at the end of the day from happening or mitigate it a little bit. So maybe I'd be like, well, maybe my son can come in and chop vegetables with me, or maybe she could be listening to a storybook in her room and he can be doing Legos, but maybe just thinking not like you need to be apart, but thinking, how can we do this when they, I, I remember in the evenings, I'm seeing a pattern here and I yeah. feel like that's a huge part is prevention setting them up for success. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, normally if I hear a little something going on, sometimes things brew. I probably in in those times heard some heightened voice like, la la la. And and I just totally (laughs) ignored it. But I think another step that we talk about a lot is watching and waiting. So I think oftentimes I will respond really strongly because I've been in denial that whatever is happening is happening. And it Mm -hmm. takes me by surprise and it kind of hijacks me. So I think, or you're hearing it and you're saying to yourself, they better not. They told them to play nice. <laughs> this is not happening. This right. better not happen. And that's why we end up getting so ramped Right. Up. So I think part of the watch and wait is saying, okay, this happens. This is the time. Oops. I didn't really set them up for success. Okay, so I'm going to okay. check in, peek my head around, see what's actually happening. Maybe I have a little more intel mm-hmm. now and make sure nothing egregious is going down, but I'm just going to gather a little bit of information. See if they yeah. can figure it out How, on their own. How's it going in here, everybody? What's mm-hmm. up? I hear a little squawk, mm-hmm. you know. How's it going? Anything I can do to help? Hey, my daughter, do you want to come into the kitchen and help me with something real quick? Mm-hmm. Still kind of getting into it a little. Let's say they keep getting into it and then we would self-regulate. I think we can't help our kids calm down and connect with one another if we are totally dysregulated. So mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of our practice is saying, what does my body need to calm down in this moment? So I tend to take a lot of deep breaths and that helps me. To mm-hmm. kind of relax, I get really uh, tight in my chest, and then Kelsey. I what go do you through do? my mantras. Yeah. This is not an emergency. Nice. This is absolutely developmentally normal. This is okay that they they might get into a, a little, you know, conflict mm-hmm. here, altercation here. It's all good. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I will get in bed tonight alone with no kids. Yes. <laughs> it's be okay. Find find your golden light. Netflix. Whatever. You're going to get there, right? Oh, those are so good. Oh well, my I think gosh. That when you know when we have to go in there, we we would approach neutrally as neutrally as possible. I think mm-hmm. oftentimes I go in there and like the look on my face is not yeah. going to be de-escalating. It will be escalating, right? And kids, they don't even hear our words so often because they're in a heightened state emotionally. So they're just looking at our mama's face. What does her face look like? Is this dangerous? Is this okay? I think so much with, again, checking that power, saying we have so much power in just how we approach the situation that can help so much not just in the moment, but in their beliefs, ultimately about conflict and meeting their needs. So what are we in control of? We think, okay, I can't be controlling them and everything and how it's playing out right now. I can can try to control my facial expression. I can try to choose. We have a few things that we say that are like pat phrases so that nothing terrible escapes our our lips, which often (laughs) happens. But, you know, inside we want to be like, what are you doing? Or why would you do this? Or what is going on in here? So we end up saying, hey, how's it going? Or wow. And that's like the only thing I'll say, wow, like I'm learning, I'm catching up here, but it's not going to come out Mm -hmm. in a way that might escalate things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think that we also reflect what we see in that way Mm -hmm. where we move into it instead of making, I think we so automatically go to judgments, you're doing this, this is right, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we just want to reflect what we see so that Mm -hmm. they can start piecing together the, the puzzle pieces of an altercation and gain some awareness. Because again, like we mentioned earlier, if our kids have awareness, then they can manage and prevent their impulses and get, see to their needs more adaptively. So we'd be like, oh my gosh, I see a Lego structure on the ground. I see you crying. You're looking pretty frustrated. Fill me in. What's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and then if we have younger kids, if our kid's a little preverbal, or if they're so mad, we could say, wow, you're, you're struggling. You've got some big feelings. It looks like you wanted the Lego thing. And so mm-hmm. we wouldn't be judging and, and necessarily like projecting too much, but just kind of reflecting what yeah, we see. And within that, welcoming all the emotions. Mm-hmm. She's the worst sister ever. She ruined my life. I'm never going to be your friend right. again. Or he said this and did this. And we're just like, okay, that, and that, did that hurt your feelings? Or how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. 
So you're like when the kid that says, I'm never going to be friends with her again. Okay. So you're feeling frustrated. Okay. So we're just translating. We're welcoming all the vibes, even if inside we're just like, that is so heart piercing to hear one child speak about the other one that way. Or I cannot believe this one did this other thing. We're still in neutral face. We're nodding. We're saying we're, even if if we're struggling ourselves, we say less, right? Mm, We just keep up with the nodding. We keep hands safe. Right. And then we're syncing everybody up. Okay. So it sounds like this happened. So you'd built the Lego tower. He came over. Is that right, Laz? You wanted to play and she said no, but you really wanted to. So you ran through the tower. Does that sound right? Did I get that right? Okay. And that's when we kind of move into sourcing ideas. What could happen next? We need ideas. Okay. As people are starting to calm down, if they're not, we're still in the kind of empathizing, validating, acknowledging feeling stage. But but sourcing ideas is like, Mm -hmm. usually we know the idea. They should do this or do that. They Mm -hmm. should give it back. They should put it away. They should go to their rooms. And I think we're trying to build those skills in our kids. So we're saying, wow, the power of innovation, sourcing ideas. We want the ideas to come from them. We want them to ultimately have their own ideas to solve their own problems. Mm So with younger kids, sometimes that takes us offering up some ideas. So, so do you want to kind of, would you want to split the Legos? Should we do a few minutes with one of you and then the other? Should we maybe take a little break and come back and talk about this later? But eventually the kids get so good at doing that, that eventually you go to walk in and they're already sourcing ideas with one another. You know, they start taking over these these little tears on their eye, on their faces, and they're trying to figure out what to do together. Right. Pretty awesome. And then, you know, but it's four o'clock. I think oftentimes like we've gone through all of these, these steps with setting them up, with watching and waiting, with self-regulating, with approaching neutrally, with reflecting what we see, mm-hmm. welcoming their emotions, all of these things. And sometimes they just can't manage it. They Not still won't. They, can't. they can't. They can't. Yeah. They still need support. They're still dysregulated. It's four o'clock. It's mm-hmm. totally okay. And that's when we sometimes have to take the lead and follow through lovingly. Oh, you're still struggling to not be destroying that Lego thing more. I'm going to help you over. Let's go to the other room and we'll calm down. Mm-hmm. So again, nobody's yeah. at fault. Nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just struggling or one of them is struggling more. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And then like you guys do so much too, Wendy, is that we circle back later. We're like, we don't have to solve all this in the moment. Yeah. I've got something burning on the stove. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's hangry right now. Like I've, we have done so much beautiful work in moving through this conversation rather than consequence or control-based yeah. factor. They, no matter, even if everybody's still mad at the end of it, look at what we've practiced, all these beautiful skills. Mm-hmm. There's no failure in that way. Never. Yeah. yeah. And there's no failure when we yell and sell it, send everyone to their rooms because we can't handle it either. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think, yeah, mm-hmm. so much about it is just knowing when we have the capacity and the time. We can't always do this. And mm-hmm. granted, it's an investment that does pay off. Ultimately, it's like, wow, we lean in a little harder on as many conversations like this as we can. And ultimately, our kids start taking the lead. Mm-hmm. But we can't always do it. And that's okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love what you just said about the investment does pay off because I know, you know, especially if you're new to this work listeners or you are not handling conflict like this right now. And you're like, that sounds like I'm going to be enabling and permissive and like, just trust, trust us. Once you start to get the hang of this and you do this more often, then the the conflict does lessen because as when we can pull ourselves out of it and be that kind of neutral energy, that calm to the chaos, it changes everything. But in the beginning, it can feel very like, oh my gosh, this seems like so much work. But remember, you know, it's like we're raising human little souls. We're not raising robots. And it's, it's okay to turn the burner off. It's okay if dinner is 10 minutes late and that 10 minutes of conflict, you know, negotiation or or supporting or scaffolding and supporting, right? Like it it can feel like forever, but in actuality, it's nine minutes. It's nine minutes, right? Like you guys can do this, but it's, it's so beautiful. I love that investment that does pay off because it really, really does. So, oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I don't even need to give an example because that was so perfect. You guys went through <laughs> so much around curiosity. But we're like staying. dying to know about nine to 12 year olds. Like, I know. 
We're just like, oh my gosh, what are we? We're gonna have to talk more about this after. It's all just like attitude and like, oh my gosh, like you know, she doesn't want to play with me, and she won't. You know, it's like more attitude, and Mm -hmm. it's yeah. But we'll we'll save that for another day. But (laughs) yes, it's all everything applies. I love the mantras. I love teaching repair in a later time. I love teaching later. Of course, it's all so good. So. You guys, before we go, tell listeners where they can find you. I know you have the most beautiful and comprehensive sibling guide, right, that families can purchase. I know I think you've created a a really generous coupon code for our listeners. Tell us a little bit about that and where they can find you. Yeah, you can all find us at upbringing.co. That's where, you know, you can check out our podcast. You can check out our shop. You can check out our coaching and speaking stuff. You can learn more about us and and our approach. And yeah, the sibling guide is, I think, around 30 pages that we've designed. Uh, we just, we knew so many folks who have never really spent this much time parenting, probably in their entire lives, and who have siblings who have maybe never spent this much time together before, you know, because they're usually at school. They're usually, you know, with another care. So it, this is like a really common need and we're there too. So many other folks are. And, you know, we all don't have the time though to read three, 10 books, like, or yeah. even one book. And so mm-hmm. that's why we created the guide. We were like, okay, if we could just boil this down to Cliff's Notes, beautifully designed, things you can put on your fridge, example phrases. I think we have like 60 example phrases or something like that, like helping us build those mantras, build the words, practice the phrasing mm-hmm. that that could be helpful. And it's been helpful to a lot of people. So we're really, we're excited about it. We use it ourselves and mm-hmm. yeah, we'd love to offer 20% off with the code FRESH. Yeah. And that is what's so beautiful real quick about, you know, guides like this. And, and yours is so beautiful. It is seriously, listeners, it is one where the printouts, you would be like, you could frame these printouts are so beautiful, but it's not, I love it as opposed to a book. Books are wonderful, but you really can, you can take them and put them on your mirror or in your car or like places where you'll actually remember because like the car is a perfect example, right? Like the kids might start bickering. And if you have like your, your phrases list there ready, you could be like, Oh yeah, let me just refresh myself while I take a deep breath for like two seconds here. while they're like smacking each other in the back seat? <laughs> let me just refresh myself. And it's, it's just a, it's, it's a really, really nice guide. You guys did a wonderful job with that and it's beautiful. And I know it's going to help a lot of families. So listeners go check it out. Go find Hannah and Kelty at their website. You guys are really active on Instagram too, right? I yes, upbringing.co on Instagram as well. Yes. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, such a, I could talk to you girls for hours, but thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank yeah. you for <laughs> taking time out of your precious, I know, busy life to be here with us today. And listeners, I hope you love this episode. Thank you so much. For links and more information about what we covered in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 62. Well, hey there, families. I want to take a moment to encourage you to go check out the Fresh Start Family Shop. You can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash recommend, or you can just head to the website freshstartfamilyonline.com and click the shop page on the upper navigation bar. This shop has a compilation of all of my favorite books and resources for parents who are actively learning about positive parenting and wanting to implement the strategies and curriculum into their home. I also have all of our courses that we offer here at Fresh Start Family on that page so you can easily learn about ways you can step into a formal online education program with Fresh Start Family. We even have our new firm and kind parenting blueprint over there, which is a super affordable $27 program that will teach you four steps to setting firm limits and sticking to them consistently with your kids. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day.